Welcome to the LaughSpin.com podcast. Hey guys, what's up? It's Dylan Godino from LaughSpin.com. Welcome to yet another episode of the Laugh Spin Podcast. This one is a very special, very exciting one. I sat down with Gilbert Gottfried, the iconic, the one and only Gilbert Gottfried. He was kind enough to let me into his uh, Manhattan apartment where we sat down and chatted about many things. Uh, One of those things we chatted about is, you may or may not know this, but Gilbert has his own podcast now. It is called Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast, and it is a delight, and you should certainly subscribe to it on iTunes. As of this recording, there's only been two episodes, but they've been fabulous. Uh, The first one was with Dick Cavett, and the second one was with Gianni Russo, who played uh, Carlo on The Godfather. And that one, especially, not that the Dick Cavett one wasn't interesting, but that one was very interesting. Very interesting. I, I highly recommend you check it out. So in addition to us chatting about the podcast, we uh, talked about uh, a great many things. Uh, his career, how he got started at the age of 15. We talk a little bit about that whole Aflac controversy. We talk about uh, uh, old Hollywood and the differences between the entertainment industry when he started and, and how it is now. There's a lot of things. So I'm just going to shut my mouth. I'm going to let you guys listen to our little chat. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Here's Gilbert. So Gilbert, Gilbert Gottfried, welcome to the Laugh Spin podcast, first oh, of all. Oh, thank you. I should set the scene here a little bit for our our listeners. We are in your apartment in New York, in New York yes. City. You are currently in a bathrobe. Yeah, and uh, like a bathrobe that I got from a TV show that was on the air like uh, like years ago. I, I don't think that station still exists. <laughs> <laughs> and but they did give me a free bathrobe, and this bathrobe is like uh, just got stains on it. I can and see it's that. Ripped uh, threads are coming out of it. It's like if if I if you made a bathrobe out of toilet paper, right? It would uh, be stronger than this. <laughs> it, it's this is basically like uh, being uh, like doing an interview in the Hebrew home for the aged. You know, it's like I'm sitting here in a bathrobe going, what? What? <laughs> Who are, what is this thing in front of my face? A micro what? Is it a love line? Yes. Is, it, is that yes, what that is? Yes, there used to be a show called Love Line. Is that the one with, uh, with uh, Drew, uh, Dr. Drew? No, no, no. I think this is, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, no, no. This is a different love line. That's a that one was love line though, wasn't it? Or love line? Was or, it love line? I, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe. Very difficult to know. <laughs> I've only worked. Well, I've worked with Doctor Drew twice. Uh huh. One time I did his radio show, and sure. you don't get a bathrobe from a radio no, show. No, I would. I would think not. No. You can't even get like a hat or a cup holder <laughs> now from radio shows. They used to like give you like whether you wanted them or not, like a few pounds of t-shirts yeah. and hats. Now you know you nothing. 
And then I did his, that other Dr. Drew show that he has on, where he talks about murders and current events. He's on cable. Oh. And it's a bunch of different talking heads there on the screen. You know, it's made to look like the Brady Bunch when they put up all the experts. And they're always (laughs) these hot-looking girls who all are like, this is a psychologist, this is... And I'm thinking, no, these are hot-looking pieces of ass. Uh And I'm sure there are other equally equipped girls who are fat, uh, but those aren't on the show. And I was saying that, and I don't think it went over well. It didn't. Now, no. are, are you saying you, it, those those two things, being fat and hot, are mutually exclusive? You can't be fat and hot? No, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I, like, I like to be as shallow as possible. But, uh, but for the sake of the show, oh, no, no, no. I think the two are fine. It's like these actresses who get fat, yeah. and then they, of course, have to do uh, go out in public and do a campaign saying, uh, I think women come in are beautiful in all shapes and sizes. Right. And then the next thing is advertising their diet book right. and how they lost all the weight. Yeah, there's money in gaining and losing weight. Yes, it's nice to have options. Yeah, but first you have to go out there and say, oh, I don't care about the way I look. Right. Because uh, you could be 5,000 pounds and be beautiful. <laughs> all right, all right. I mean, you're being, that's honest. I, I, I like honesty. Uh, I can't, uh, this, I'm, I'm enthralled with this. With this, but do you not have another bathroom? Do you need no, a bathroom? No, I, 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 oh, if you could bring me one. I mean, if I, if I knew. If, if I knew you had a supply of bathrooms. I mean, ropes, I don't, but I could certainly, I could have went to the store and picked okay, you up something. I can wait here. And I'll just talk. <laughs> I'll just like uh, start singing old show tunes. Okay. And you go off and get me a bathrobe. There's probably some nice bathrobes in the city. Yes. <laughs> so love line. Okay. All right. You're comfortable. That's what I like. I, I want you to be comfortable. Well, I can be as comfortable as I can be, which is not usually. <laughs> Being in my own skin, I'm not comfortable with, so the bathrobe really? is the least of it. Yeah. Still? Oh, yeah. After all these years? Yeah. You'd think uh, old feeling would die from my skin. Yeah. And I'd be or comfortable. Or like you just wouldn't give a fuck anymore. Yeah. That doesn't, so. Yeah, no, so- I, I still have to keep up this sexy image. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, weren't you on a list that, that kind of tongue-in-cheekly... Yes, uh, I was... I, I don't unsexiest know, or Boston something? Boston Globe. Something like that, yeah. They picked the top 100 unsexiest men. Yeah. And I made it to number one. Oh, you were one? I was one. Number one. Wow. Unsexiest. And I was there with, like, Osama Bin Laden. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so that, that... That's something. Wow. Who I, is Who is number two? Oh, Who did you edge out? Do you remember? Oh, God. I don't know. Uh, there were a few people on there. Osama Bin Laden. Osama Bin Laden. I mean, I found out about it when I was ringing the bells in Notre Dame. Uh, <laughs> and, um, I don't see a hump. Did you get, a, did you get the, uh, yes. the surgically removed? Uh, yes, I go to all the best doctors. Okay. <laughs> Part of the reason I'm talking to you today, Gilbert, is you have this wonderful new podcast. As we speak, only two episodes have been released, but you, I'm sure, how many, you've probably pre-recorded many of them. Uh, Yes. 
and, and it's Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast. Yeah. You could hear it on gilbertgottfried.com. And you can uh, subscribe to it on iTunes and get all the missed episodes. Yeah. I've listened to the first two episodes. They're enthralling. They're gripping. I, they're the type of things where you don't want to turn them off. The first episode was Dick Cavett. The second episode was Gianni... Uh, what's his last name? Uh, Russo. Russo, right. Gian- and yeah, it was like Dick Cavett we had first. Right. And Dick Cavett, I remember watching on the air. He was like the best talk show because he had all the guests the other people yeah. didn't he would have like john lennon and katherine hepburn and groucho marx and i was fascinated especially because back then i i always said like the best film school in the country was in your living room yeah because they show these old movies all day and i was like fascinated with the marx brothers movies i loved those and then more fascinating was Groucho Marx started going back into show business around that time and he was old and you hadn't seen him for years and I thought I I was when they go ladies and gentlemen Groucho Marx you expect the guy from Night at the Opera to come right. running out <laughs> and but instead he'd be old and frail and he'd be with like Dick Cavett and going you know I once was with Chico and Harpo, and uh, they called him Harpo because he plays the harp. <laughs> and the harp was a musical instrument back then. <laughs> and uh, music was something that uh, was done with instruments, and you'd hear it. And this was called music. And, Various sounds that were put. Sounds was something that you heard through your ears back in my day. And uh, sometimes you'd eat an apple. Apples back in my day grew on trees, and you'd take it off the tree. And you'd bite it, and you could eat it. <laughs> <laughs> so just him over-explaining the, the most yes. mundane concepts. Yes. And he would start telling a joke, and you'd always get scared. Is he going to remember the end of this joke? Right. And I, that Groucho fascinated me. How old, how old was he? Was he oh, super old? Or? Oh, he was, he was super like, old. Like 70s, 80s? Yeah, yeah. He was, he was, he was up there. And I remember he used to wear like a, a beret and a turtleneck. And it, it was, it was sad and fascinating. Wow. And oh, and the second one is, uh, yeah, Gianni Russo, who played Carlo yeah. in The Godfather. Fascinating interview. Yeah, he's the one James Caan beats up yep. in the movie in the street. And he comes in with like a big black fur coat. So <laughs> I knew I was in for something. <laughs> and immediately he tells me he's, in real life, he's killed three people. Yes. Yes. And he goes, then he goes, well, three that I can admit to. Right. And I'm thinking, so, oh, the statue of limitations ran out on these three. Right. Like, oh, it was seven years ago. Oh, then it's okay to kill someone. (laughs) And I said, well, why did you kill the first guy? 
And he goes, well, what would you do if someone was threatening to harm your children? And I said, well, and my children would be in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm a total <laughs> pussy. And he also said he he fucked Marilyn Monroe. Yes. When he was, and not just fucked her, but fucked her when he was like in his early teens. Yeah. When it was like a double <laughs> crime. Yeah. Like when she could have been locked up for it like, and do we believe him i believed him i want to believe this i don't know if i believe any of it but i certainly wouldn't tell him to his face <laughs> I, I i knew better than that but i figure the marilyn monroe story must be true because marilyn monroe so far hasn't come forth and true. disputed it true neither has joe dimaggio <laughs> or arthur miller or lee strasberg the or, the, or the Kennedys. Yes, the yes. Kennedy. None of the Kennedys <laughs> have come by to say uh, that uh, that is uh, not true. <laughs> and the entire cast of the Misfits, Clark Gable didn't come forward. Montgomery Cliff. We can only assume that by their silence, uh, there's uh, they're admitting yes these things. And I we I also interviewed. Uh, I'll tell you that's it. I'm forgetting their names. This really is. <laughs> I'm sitting here in a ratty bathrobe, and let me let me ask you this: Did you dress up for Gianni? Did you put clothes on for him? Uh, yes, okay. yes, yes. Because I was afraid if he fucked Marilyn and Lisa and uh, Liza Minnelli, God knows uh, what he'd do to me. <laughs> and um, oh, oh, we we had um, we had Larry Storch. Okay. I went to his apartment. He's like 92 now, okay. Larry Storch, and he stands on his head every day. Is that true? Ex- yes. He showed me. He has a towel there, and he just stands on his head every morning, and so far he's kept alive. So, But he was in the show F Troop, uh-huh. and he was in Ghostbusters way before Bill Murray or Dan Aykroyd did go. There was a TV show called Ghostbusters where he also co-starred with his old co-star Larry Storch. And I, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. I should. I should have known that. There's. There yeah. was a TV show called Ghostbusters. TV show called Ghostbusters with Larry Storch and and Forrest Tucker, both from F Troop, and a guy named Bob Burns who played a gorilla. <laughs> And they called, so it was two guys and a gorilla, and they called themselves Spencer, Tracy, and Kong. Interesting. So, like... You, you say Larry stands on his head. Is that, like, a, for a therapeutic reasons? Or? Uh, e- either that or uh, or he's totally lost. Yeah, no, he said it's like exercise gets his blood flowing. And for 92, the guy, he doesn't walk around with a cane or anything, and... Has a firm handshake and remembers all these old stories. I, I interviewed Boris Karloff's daughter because I was in love with the old horror movies. Yeah. And, you know, especially like Frankenstein and The Mummy and all these shows. So I called up Boris Karloff's daughter and I said, would you like to be on my podcast? And she said, well, yes, I'd love to be on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, obviously, you've been in business for for decades, TV, movies, stand-up, everything in between, voiceover work. Why did you decide to start doing the podcast? Well, see, this is the thing. Right at that 
point. I'm always the last person to latch on to anything and understand. So right at that point, I, I finally vaguely understood what show business was with TV shows on networks and, and movies and theaters and radio shows. Then it all changed. Uh-huh. And now it's the internet. I still, if someone would ask me, what's a podcast? I still couldn't tell you. Oh, come on. I just know everyone's doing podcasts. They really are. Yes. And so <laughs> I figured if they're doing podcasts, I got to do a podcast. And I figured I'm interested in, I'm fascinated by old Hollywood. Yeah. And so so that's what I decided it would be. So basically, I interviewed Joe Franklin. Yeah. And he's like the kid of the i think he's the youngest guy we interviewed <laughs> is he really <laughs> well i'll tell you what i mean i don't know that there's so many podcasts out there or any really that are kind of for people over the age of you know like 35 so i think there's i think there's a, a gap in there and I, th- I think it's a good idea yes and i'm the one to fill like you're that. the one yeah yeah the gap. and but now see the problem is like of like survivors of old movies and old TV shows, I make out an entire list, and each week I've got to cross out a name. Uh, like I'll hear on the news, oh, they no. just died. <laughs> and so that's always a problem. Can you tell me who else you interviewed, or is that is that a secret? Oh, a bunch of people coming up. And I always forget, of course. Well, that's okay. Bela Lugosi Jr. Okay. The, the actual son of Dracula. Wow. And uh, now, do you oh, know? Do you know all these people, or do you have to? I no. I had. A, I mean, the one, one or two. I knew. I knew. I actually had met twice. Uh, this Marty Allen, mm. who was one, uh, was the, the team of Allen and Rossi, right. on old TV. And they followed the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show. Oh, get out. During the Beatles debut, like, <laughs> and the, so all through their act, the audience was screaming for Paul to come back and crying. And they're like trying to do a comedy bit. And so I spoke to him, Marty Allen. Uh, I, as far as a younger person who I actually do know, I spoke to Jeff Ross. Okay. Because Jeff Ross, oh, he got into the Friars Club when he was young yeah. and became friends with all of those like Milton Berle and right. Vinnie Youngman. Yeah, I like I like the fact that you're, uh, you know, a lot of podcasts turn out to be just one very well-known or pretty well-known comedian interviewing their friends. Yes. So I like the fact that you're actually, you're interested enough to go beyond the people that you already talk to, kind of delve into it. And I, f- I found it so entertaining. And, you know, obviously that, like the first two people you interviewed, not of my generation, but so I was still so interested in learning about that generation and just hearing shit about Liza Minnelli. And oh, yes. Like, I mean, just <laughs> like, that whole story about the, the threesome between Gianni, Liza, and... And I some, mean, like, Spanish dancer. Yeah, with a huge who, ass. Yeah, yeah, who said... And he said, like, both of them yeah. immediately became horny right. when they saw this Spanish dancer and had a three... So it's that kind of wild story. Yeah, it was crazy. Or so it seemed. Yeah, and there are these weird stories that come out that, oh, well, during the Boris Karloff interview, 
She talked about Frank Sinatra ran into Boris Karloff in a restaurant. Uh-huh. And Karloff said to him, to Frank Sinatra, he says, you can sing with your voice, but you have to learn how to act with your voice. And Boris Karloff started teaching Frank Sinatra acting. He gave acting lessons to, to Boris Karloff gave acting lessons to Frank Sinatra. Wow. <laughs> and Boris Karloff helped start the Actors Union, he and James Cagney. Amazing. Yeah. Who's the guy or gal you want to get most? Is there uh, an, uh, a- an aspiration list? Uh, well, I'd like to get that Spanish dancer. Yeah. That- <laughs> oh, 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 Gianni Russo and Liza Minnelli <laughs> had the threesome. That would be great. I would like to hear from her. By now, that ass is hanging down to her ankles you, if you she's never, still alive. You never know. With, with implant technology the way it is now, you never know. <laughs> Is there no? Oh, is there someone? Oh, that, there there are so many, and so many are dead. Yeah, but of well, the that, those are going to be hard to get. Yeah, yeah. Like I missed out on a Sid Caesar. Yeah, and a uh, Milton Berle. Yeah, but yeah. Oh, there's so many. I. It's like, and it's one of those. I don't even want to say till I I okay. ask the person. Got it. That's like I feel like I'll jinx it, and I won't jinx it. Actually, they'll just say. I'm going to be on a podcast with Gilbert Gottfried. No, thank you. <laughs> That'll be it. <laughs> so, you know, you've, you've been in this business so long. You've done so many different things. Has it come kind of uh, naturally for you to stay? I mean, you're, you've stayed relevant for so long because you're doing so many different things. Is, is that, was that like a struggle to do that or did it just like sort of come naturally or what, what's that like? It, I, I think I've, if I've stayed relevant and stayed in the business, it's more all by accident. Yeah? Because I've never really planned anything. Mm-hmm. I never really had a work ethic. <laughs> and I never planned. I never thought, oh, I want to achieve this, this, and this, right. and this is how I'll do it. So I've been lucky. And I, uh, I kind of feel still... Every day as that I'm in show business, I feel like like one day the gig will be up. Yeah. And that uh, like they'll catch on that it was all a fraud. And I, I feel like in show business, I'm, I snuck into a party. Yeah. And that one any minute, someone's going to walk over to me and go, I don't see your name on this guest list. <laughs> and then it'll be all and over. And that'll be it. Yeah. I would think that keeps you sharp and always sort of planning the next thing. But you don't, you you, you still no, do that. No, I, I, I've been lucky too that not through trying, I offend people and get in a lot of trouble. You do. And that- Or you, you know, have. When they talk about it all over the internet and on the news- it like kind of slaps a new and improved label on you, even if it's the same old product. You know, you could have the same laundry detergent since 1912, right? but you slap new and improved and everyone thinks, oh, this is the new and improved laundry. Right. Even if it's something negative. Yeah. It, well, and it goes back to that thing, that old adage, as long as they're talking about right. it. Right. Because I've had a few times on the internet and on TV where they'll, on the papers where they'll go, 
Gilbert Gottfried's career is now over. And if your career really is over, they don't mention right. you at all. Right. It's kind of like you never hear, hey, our top story tonight. <laughs> Remember those two guys who replaced the original Dukes of Hazard when they went on strike. Well, their career is over. It's like, no. <laughs> right. They wouldn't be talking about you at all. Yeah. You know, speaking of uh, controversy and, and such, all these years after the Affleck yes. duck controversy, how has that in the long term affected you? Was it, was it good exposure or in the end, was it, was it bad exposure for you? Well, it was another one. They slap a new one and yeah. improved. And you know what was, was so funny about that is, well, I mean, the best tweet I got around that time, someone said, Aflac fires Gilbert Gottfried after discovering he's a comedian. Yeah, exactly. And that sums it up. Yeah. Like, they, they didn't know I made jokes. Right. And they never saw the aristocrats, <laughs> never heard of it. Never uh, heard of my Dirty Joke DVD. Never heard me on the radio or at the Comedy Central roast. Right. They thought I was just like like a little Mormon. Right. Uh, that was Iago from, uh, from yes, Aladdin. Yes. And so now, I mean, interestingly enough, a year before the tsunami, when my agent was renegotiating my contract, someone at Affleck said, you know, we can just hire an imitator for less money. Mm -hmm. So when I made the tsunami jokes, it was very convenient. I see. It was kind of like that scene in Casablanca where Claude Rains goes, I'm closing this casino down. I'm shocked, shocked to find gambling going on. <laughs> and uh, so they fired me. I, I got loads of free publicity. Sure. And uh, had their new campaign to find a new voice. Hired a guy to imitate me for less money. Yeah. Thus bringing closure to a horrible tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> so you kind of knew things were in the in the works, in the, in the background. Yes. As, as far as them hiring. And yeah, oh, and that's eventually yeah. what they did. Is that, how is that? So that's, that's like not, I don't know. You can't copyright the, the way you talk. Like, isn't that, it sounds yeah, a little it, icky to it's, me. It, oh, it's incredible. To hire somebody icky. to do you, especially when... You have such, like, your voice is so much oh. part of your career. Yeah, it's incredibly icky, but they have ways of somehow, it's all like 50-50, whether you uh, win those cases or not. Right. I mean, you know, interestingly, getting back to the podcast, I had Bela Lugosi Jr. on, who is a lawyer. Ah. Talk about two bloodsuckers in the family. <laughs> And Bela Lugosi Jr. Uh, not only got money for himself, but for Boris Karloff's uh, descendants and Lon Chaney's descendants because they were using their images in toys and commercials yeah. and, and all kinds of things that they weren't getting any money for. He He was also... Helping the Three Stooges get money. Uh -huh. Bela Lugosi Jr. defending the Three Stooges. Right. This is like an alternative universe. Yeah. <laughs> and I heard that most of the Three Stooges' fortune went to Curly Joe Dorita. If you remember, he was the last one they had. Yeah. 
It started out with Mo, Larry, and Curly, the original Curly, and then he died. Then it was Mo, Larry, and Chimp, right. and then he died. Then it was Mo, Larry, and Joe Bessa, and then when they were really old, they found this guy who was fat and bald and kind of a performer named, and they called him Curly Joe because he was fat and bald, so I guess you could sort of mistake him for Curly if you didn't look or listen too closely. Right. And even as a kid, you'd watch him and go, what, did they just go out in the street and go, hey, you, you want to be in the Three Stooges? And he somehow wound up with their money. Well, he must have had really good representation. Or well, a lawyer. got Bail Lugosi on his Oh, he was, he was representing Bale them Lugosi at that time. Bail Lugosi Jr. Oh. Yeah, well, no, he was defending not uh, so much Curly Joe oh, Dorito. I see. But I all see. of his, like his grandchildren and stuff like that. Wow. So when the Affleck thing ended, did they, I mean, were you still, you were still under contract. Did they have to honor your contract? They had to honor the contract. And you know what's funny? I found out I was fired on on the internet. Really? And I hear people say stuff like that and I don't believe it. Yeah. It really happens. That actually happened. I was, I was away at a job in like Philadelphia or something. I come back and I just... Uh, turn on the internet and immediately uh, like 5,000 headlines come up saying uh, Affleck fires Gilbert Gottfried (laughs) and I thought I I was (laughs) I didn't hear about it my agent didn't hear about it what the fuck I found out from the internet and so then what's this what's the next step do you do you call Affleck what happens uh, then, uh, like about a week or two later, my agent finds out. What? Yeah. Wait a minute. After, so, so you you read that on the internet, yeah, and then yes. you or your agent didn't? Like, yeah, yeah. We, ask questions. No. And then we finally, then you know, he finally called him, and uh, then they said, "Oh yes, yes, that's true." What? And then the the exact second they fired me, they immediately had this campaign. Ah, uh, we're looking for the new Aflac duck. And I thought that they came up with that awfully quick. Right. You know? Oh my God. That's fucked up. Oh yes. <laughs> Hell. They they didn't even they didn't call you? They no, didn't no. send an email? No. A text? It it's Facts. kind of like well, I was on that season of that horrible season of Saturday Night Live. Yes. Where if right after the original cast left. So we were doomed from the start. I remember like they first fired the producer, Gene Domanian, and they got in a new producer, Dick Ebersole, and he sat us all down and said, we're going to make a little few changes here or there, run the show differently. Uh, uh, come back in a couple of days and uh, we'll all talk about it, right. what changes we'll make. And then seem like, oh, well, maybe they'll have a different theme song right. or the curtains in the back instead of red will be a light blue. Right. So I'm waiting outside his office. He's calling people in one by one. And while I'm waiting there, he used to have a little desk that had fan mail on it. Mm-hmm. So I am killing time. Uh, so I open a fan letter from some girl in like Indiana and it starts off, Dear Gilbert, I'm so sorry about what happened to you. 
What? So they had, she had already found. I didn't know I was fired from. What? Yeah. And that's when people were mailing mailing things through the mail. So there oh, was, yes. There was days. Yes. <laughs> and it's so insane now to think, too, that the idea of a letter sounds so old yeah, now. It sure does. Like a mailbox seems like, wait, what were those used for? <laughs> So that, you know, actually, let's talk about Saturday Night Live or your beginning. You started you started comedy at the age of 15, correct? Uh, yes. That's insanely young. You were getting on stage at 15? Yeah, in places that served alcohol. Well, I so mean, what the hell were you joking about at the age of 15? Well, I, <laughs> I, I like, it was all open mic night yeah, stuff. Yeah. You didn't get a dime for it. You didn't even get a soda and back in those days. I was, like, doing mainly imitations. Okay. And I do like, you know, Humphrey Bogart and Peter Lorre. And so even back then, my act was dated. <laughs> so you're an old soul. Yes. And and I like the first time I went on, I don't know if I was good at it, if I did well or if I bombed. I mm. was mad, too stupid. So I kept doing it. What, um, what places did you? I mean, this was here in New York. Right? Well, yeah, the bitter end. Okay was uh, like the first one I worked at. And then, you know, later on, Catch and the Improv. Right. And there were a, a million clubs that would open and close in like a week yeah. back then. And uh, back then, it was like before the comic strike. So not only did we get zero money for going on, but you really couldn't get a soda <laughs> I remember one time meeting someone, they told me to meet them at a bar and I was waiting there and they said, oh, you, what would you like? And I said, oh, no, and I'm not ordering. I'm just meeting someone. Right. And, and the bartender brought me a Coke and I said, well, I didn't order. And he goes, no, you're waiting. I just, and I thought, you can actually get a free soda? <laughs> How, you know, what, what, what universe are we in? <laughs> That's an incredibly young age to, to start comedy. Now, how long did you do that for, I don't know, what was the turning point? You were 15, and then when did you, what was the turning point after that? Uh, well, that went on for a few years, and I remember the two earliest jobs I had in movies and TV. I did a TV show. I, I didn't do a show. It was a pilot yeah. shot to uh, hope to be a TV show. It was a horrible uh, piece of shit. <laughs> it was called The Further Adventures of Wally Brown. <laughs> and this was based on this old song, the producer like this old song uh, called Charlie Brown. Okay. And uh, uh, that was enough to make a show off. It had a nice beat, and he'd get the original band to record it. And and then the, the show, you go, oh, well, just write something. <laughs> it was old to have that. He that The song he liked, that was it. It was awful, and but so, so high, and it had a black kid, was Wally Brown, mm -hmm. and uh, they, he had a friend who was white, and the white kid, to show their originality, uh, his father was a bigot, 
Oh, sure. And his mother was a bit of a dingbat. Oh, I see. Yeah. And he would go, oh, and he would sit there in his easy, his favorite chair, smoking a cigar. Oh, this sounds familiar. Going, so I was driving my cab and this colored guy gets in. And it was like, I mean, uh, I think I've heard this before. Yeah, yeah. And where did you fit in? What did you? What was your? I I was like, uh, me and another guy were kind of like the Lenny and Squeaky. Okay. Like not good enough to be the stars right. of the further adventures right. of Wally Brown. <laughs> and then I did a movie called House of God. I was, it was a comedy film, and I was. Uh, they started bringing comics in at the last minute. Because they had already cast it, and the movie was not funny. Mm. And then in a sign of desperation, they were bringing comics in, thinking, oh, maybe we'll scatter them through the movie, and it'll be funny. And that, just give them one-liners to, uh, to uh, yeah, out? Yeah, like, just do whatever you want to do. Like, apropos of nothing? Yes, yeah. <laughs> it was awful. I was up for a show called, I, uh, I was auditioning for it, called Mr. Smith. Now, Mr. Smith was, it goes down in history as one of the worst shows ever made, <laughs> along with, of course, Thick of the Night, which I was on. And on this show, it was about a talking orangutan. <laughs> so we've already got high comedy here. And so some scenes would be a real orangutan, and other scenes would be a really obviously phony automated orangutan and i went up to audition for it and and didn't get the job so if you didn't get the job for a show like that you really start uh, seriously wondering about your career well maybe you were um maybe you were too good for a show like that uh yes yes have you ever thought of it yeah, like that this guy's too good don't hire him <laughs> I, I remember being up on an audition once for a TV show, and the guy said to me, you're brilliantly talented and hilariously funny, but that's not what we're looking for here. <laughs> and I thought, oh, I, well, that's, a, that's, I, the, that's the best way to not get a job. Yes. I don't know how many shows and movies I've been up for where they've said to me on the spot, you are the guy we've always had in mind for this part. You're the only guy we've had in mind for this part. And then it winds up going to someone else. And I, so I figure they go, hmm, let's get someone we don't want for the part. You yeah, know, that's like, that's bizarre. Yeah. Well, it's, I, I remember one time being up, it's all this Hollywood bullshit, you know, I give you. I remember one time being up for a part and they were telling me, oh, you're the only person we envision in this. You're, yeah, you, when we were writing this part, we said, Gilbert Gottfried, that's the only guy for it. And and then at the last minute, they go, uh, my agent goes, oh, they're not going with you. And I said, they're not? And I said, who are they going with? And they said, Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> and I go, so you're telling me at three o'clock in the morning, they were going, hmm, Gilbert Gottfried or Dustin Hoffman? We can't decide. 
I mean, the only time my name has ever been in a sentence with Dustin Hoffman is I've seen Gilbert Gottfried's acting and he's no Dustin Hoffman. (laughs) (laughs) That would make me look back on Dustin Hoffman's career and think how many times... Yeah, I could have was been I this graduate close to, to get an <laughs> yes. or Rain Man or <laughs> certainly when I think of Dustin Hoffman, I think of Gilbert Godfrey. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> when you think of Glenn Close, you think of Gilbert Godfrey. <laughs> <laughs> Mayor Whittingham, you think of Gilbert Godfrey. I have two children, five and two, so every morning I hear your voice on Cyberchase, which is a delight. Is that? something is that are you still doing that because there's new uh no no No? uh that i stopped recording years ago and then they called me years later and filmed uh recorded like four new ones yeah but yeah that stopped years ago but that was once again on the bird right on cyber chase (laughs) digit can't get out of the bird parts (laughs) and and it's like of of all things educational yeah. And I'm thinking, boy, kids are being educated by me. Yep. I'm like, uh, I've got the worst education in the world. <laughs> I could tell you like the second makeup man in Frankenstein meets the wolf man. But as far as adding uh, two numbers together, forget it. <laughs> well, you've uh, you're doing you're doing good work. I mean, my kids have certainly learned. I, yeah, I've, I've had parents come up to me with uh, Cyber Chase and say, oh, my kids are getting better at math and <laughs> figuring problem skills and everything. And I think uh, when I'm recording the shows, I, I half of the time, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but they, they say that kids are learning. Yeah. I think I'm amazed. It's a good show. And uh, that whole uh, PBS Kids, it's basically... All we watch, and there's other comics on other shows. There's Maria Bamford and Patton Oswalt do uh, stuff on um, Word Girl. Oh yeah, and yeah. I mean, it's it's and and oh, on 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 Cyber Chase, I'm on with uh, Christopher. Oh, that's Lord, right, of course, yeah. Who then I also filmed a, uh, a film called Jack and the Beanstalk, uh, also with Christopher Lloyd. And I was also, we were both in, we didn't act together, but we were both in A Million Ways to Die in the West. That's right. And I, I played Lincoln. I, yeah, I did not see the movie yet, but you played Abraham Lincoln. What? Yeah, well, which was perfect because a lot of people would like to shoot me. <laughs> and, and you're tall like Abraham Lincoln. Uh, yes. Uh, when I walk down the street, uh, I can't tell you how many times people yell out, Hey, look, it's Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that, I mean, and you got, I'm just looking at your I eye. basically look like Abe Lincoln after he's been dead for a couple of years. Right, when there's some some, yes. sh- some shrinkage and, uh, no, no, come on, that's. That's, that's just wrong. That's just, that's just wrong. Yeah. We're, we're, you're, we're, now we're going to get. We're going to get... Uh, People who are alive when Lincoln was That's there. right. And they're going to get upset. And they're going to say, too soon. And they're going to... That's right. Too soon. They're going to... There's going to be historians. Like, like years ago, and then notice how I'm moving my hands around because I'm, I'm indicating uh, to people listening. No, yeah. Maybe they'll he- hear <laughs> how the air is moving around. 
it, it's kind of like how Liam Neeson figures out where his daughter is when he's on the phone with the terrorist in every <laughs> of, of his like 500. Right. My daughter's been kidnapped again <laughs> movies. And he's on the phone. He goes, yo, give me back my daughter. <laughs> I, I hear a bird chirping. That means you're in <laughs> Afghanistan. And I can hear an ant walking on a mahogany table. That means you're in the middle of the street on the third floor. <laughs> and it's like, it's, it's, I don't know if anyone can figure that out in real life, but it moves the story. Sure. But with Abraham Lincoln, I mean, for years, uh, they had that old joke. A reporter goes, uh, a reporter says, besides that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? <laughs> and nowadays, that would cause outrage. There would be like rioting on the Internet. Right. You mean if it was said about some contemporary political oh, yeah, figure? Yeah. Not Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. Said. But now, now, who knows? They probably, if I, I bet you if I put that up on the internet, the Abe Lincoln uh, joke, people would still be outraged. But that's okay because you'd be getting, you'd be getting attention. Yes. Do you, yes. Go, do you Google yourself? Uh, well, I, I don't know what that means. Google <laughs> yourself. I mean, sometimes when I'm alone at sure. night, sure. Sure. Uh, no, uh, yeah, I, I've Googled myself and uh, it's always scary because, uh, you know, you'll get some people, uh, a bunch of people who say you're great. And then one guy says, you suck. And then you go, oh, that's what everyone feels. Right. Yeah. You always, comedians, especially, I've talked to many, many of you guys and, Always focus on the one guy out of a thousand who, who doesn't like you. I, I could get <laughs> 20 billion great reviews, and if one guy doesn't like it, then I go, oh, man. Let's see. I'm Googling you right now. Let's see what comes up. Uh oh <laughs> Sort by date. First thing, real tweets from real people. What is this? On awfulannouncing.com. This is a site, I guess, dedicated to announcers. This and this is uh, this is a big, big website. <laughs> they Let's could, see. It, I, I bet you there's a website announcers who uh, wear slip-on shoes as opposed to shoelaces. <laughs> there's one for every single category. There really is. Yeah, people who have nose hairs. This is, why did your name come up here? Where's, oh, there it goes. Um, so it's about, the headline is Real Tweets from Real People. Chris Berman circles the wagons at the U.S. Open. Uh, Chris Berman is a sports caster, I believe. Yeah, you're talking to me about sports. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we're both, uh, then we're both clue. I, I, I know, uh, like, whenever someone talks to me about sports, I try to pretend I know. I'd like to go, hey, you know that basketball team that has the, the <laughs> black guy in it? And they go, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. That one, yeah. yeah. Berman's assignment at the U.S. Open is traditionally the most derided on the sports calendar. It's an unnatural fit that defies explanation. A man that has made a living off of yelling whoop noises and creating his own campy nicknames, entering the world of Jim Nance and proper etiquette just doesn't seem right. It would be like hiring Gilbert Gottfried to read Shakespeare on audio tape and doing so unironically. Hath not a Jew eyes? <laughs> if you prick us, do we not bleed? 
Are we not warmed and chilled by the same summer and winter? Have we not emotions, passions? <laughs> I, keep going. <laughs> I think you have your next uh, yes, viral video. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is a good follow-up to the uh, Fifty Shades of Grey video. I think we have. I think we have it. So that's that's almost like a that's a that's an okay yeah, reference. Yeah. I mean, usually when you go to those websites. See, most people, the most vocal are the people who hate you. And so those are the ones that you, you get immediately. Here's one that looks like, this is uh, from HuffPo. Gilbert Gottfried compares Bo Bergdahl to Nancy Kerrigan. Is that something you did? Oh, that's <laughs> because you were, on, uh, you were on HuffPo Live the other day. Oh, yes. Oh, uh, yeah, so that's what that is. Yeah, man. I well, mean, it's just like oh, as someone who got in trouble because you said sportscaster was Brent Musburger. He's like some big sports announcer who's like yeah. about a thousand now, and he's been doing it for years. And they they filmed the stadium, and there was one for uh, one current beauty contest winner who was going out with one of the football players or baseball players. Yeah. And Brent Musburger goes, oh, there's a pretty girl. You know, I guess uh, all you guys should play football now and get a girl who looks like that. And I thought, and he got in loads of yeah. trouble. And I thought, so wait a minute. He said that a beauty contest winner was pretty. Right. That's what, that's the perverted thing he said. It's amazing, right? And people have to get offended. They love it. They, yeah. They just love, people love getting offended. It gives them, I think it feel, I think people feel like it gives them purpose or it makes them feel righteous or it makes them, it's very easy to go on the internet and, and lash out against something that sounds like it should be offensive, yes. but if you actually think about it, it's not offensive at all. And I think it makes people feel like they're doing something, you know, proactive or political or something or something positive for like the the, the social fabric. Yeah, uh, I, I I always feel like people when they get offended are patting themselves on right, the back. That's right. Like, Saying, "Hey, look at me! I'm sensitive. I get why this is wrong." Yeah, and and it's like. Well, it's just like I remember seeing a headline on a paper and it was about this. Uh, uh, it showed like a man and woman crying over the grave, the graves of their three daughters who yeah. had burnt to death in a fire. Yeah. And the headline was, we weep with you. And I thought people love to pretend yeah. that they feel right. just as strongly as the victims. And it's like, you know, look, you open the paper or watch TV and you hear about a tragedy, you understand it's a tragedy and it's it's a bad thing. But you could you still go out for pizza. Right. You're not one of those people. Right. But these people pretend they are like, oh, my God, I didn't I'm still not eating because of that horrible tragedy. Right. Yeah, they like they co-opt other people's pain, I, and, and I don't know. I don't know the psychology behind it, but I assume it's because people always. And I mean, this is why Twitter is so popular. This is why social media is so popular. People want 
to feel part of something of some sort of community. So I, I, it's like they, they co-opt other people's pay, pain and it's like, well, I'm part of something now. Yeah, well, it's like years ago, they would have, like I remember growing up, they'd have on TV commentators and news people and in the papers they'd have columnists and writers and and these were the people you listened to right but now everybody everyone has a voice yeah and it's like it used to be like with 1984 it was big brother is watching you yeah and then it became the cia is watching us the government's watching us now Every asshole is watching each other. <laughs> you know, it's... <laughs> it really it's It true. actually is much worse than anyone predicted. Yeah. I mean, I would love if it was the CIA if watching. It, right, if yeah. it was just Big Brother. Yeah. But it's, it's Big Brother uh, and the CIA and everybody in the world with access to a computer. Yes. <laughs> I, I feel like... <laughs> And I also feel like it makes me sentimental about old-time lynch mobs. <laughs> or at least there you had to go out and get your hands dirty. Yeah, and there was no, uh, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I probably shouldn't del- <laughs> delve any. I was going to say there's no anonymity uh, with that because you have to show your face. But, of course, there are oh, yes. certain lynch mobs there are that, ways of getting around. Uh, that, d- that did not show their faces. So. <laughs> We certainly are not uh, 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 sentimental about those lynch mobs. Yes, uh, and I get what you're saying. Yeah. You know, the, the, now it's like you can be the, 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 the biggest wuss in the world, somebody who hates confrontation, and still say the most confrontational thing online. Because, yeah, yeah, it's like well, who's going to come get you? It's the new futuristic way of ringing someone's doorbell and running away. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 bizarre. Do you do you have to? I mean, you're 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 a prolific t- uh, tweeter. Uh, do you do you have to? Are you conscious about kind of uh, z- getting out of that that space? Do you have to say okay, enough tweeting or enough looking at the oh internet? My or God, yeah. do you take walks? What do you what do you do to oh, kind of clear oh the head? Oh my God, yeah. It's like the funny thing is there are these things you go with where you know before you have them. For years, you don't know what the appeal is. And now I figure, oh, my God, there's something that hypnotizes you. And then if you log on to one thing, it gives you 20 other things (laughs) to log on. Those give you uh, 70 other things to log on to. Yep. And you start reading about, like, all the different hairstyles that <laughs> Khloe Kardashian has had over the years. And you find yourself clicking and, okay, next one and next one. And people are commenting saying, oh, this one's too short. This one's too long. Right. And you're, for some reason, interested. It's so idiotic. Don't you feel like an idiot? Oh, when you do absolutely. That? Huffington Post is, is, is the worst when it comes to clickbait. They'll say... Vanessa Hudgens, you know, like whoever, like somebody, some celebrity sports uh, gym attire. I'm like, I'm going to click on that. Yeah. Why am I clicking I, on that? I'm, what kind of moron am I? <laughs> yeah, I'm the same way. I mean, it, it could. And there are these people like they'll say uh, uh, Tia Tequila. Right. Uh, was uh, posing in a Nazi uniform. Yes. And we're all offended. And I'm saying, 
what offends me is that anyone is talking about this Tia Tequila. <laughs> I mean, no one should be talking about her. But the one thing people should be doing on the internet is checking out your podcast, yeah, I, which I highly recommend. Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast. Uh, you could uh, listen to it on gilbertgottfried.com and, uh, and subscribe to it on iTunes. Yes. And you can get it. It's also on SoundCloud. You could stream it and download it from there. This has been educational, Gilbert. <laughs> I appreciate you dressing up for me. <laughs> It's, uh, do you mind, can I take a photo of you? Yeah, I, I did shave my legs. Oh, that's good. That's good. So if we end up, so if we end up cuddling, no, no, keep the okay. headphones on so we could, there's Gilbert doing the, the laugh spin podcast. Yeah. <laughs> he dressed up in his, uh, nicest yes. bathrobe for me. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to send over a bathrobe for you. Oh, okay. I, I think you deserve better. Yes. Than, uh, than a, a show that you don't even remember. Maybe one showing less chest. No, 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 no. The chest is okay, good. Chest it's tasteful. Good? It's tasteful. Okay. Tasteful okay. enough. Gilbert, thank you so much for, for hanging out with me. Okay. I really appreciate it. It's been an honor. Thank Thanks, Gilbert. You. And there you have it. Laugh Spin Podcast listeners, the great, the mighty, the iconic Gilbert Gottfried. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really do appreciate it. Please, by all means, go to LaughSpin.com every day, many times a day, and tell your friends about it. And follow us on Twitter at LaughSpin.com or on the old Facebook. If you feel like uh, dropping me a line personally, you can do so. I'm at Dylan at LaughSpin.com. First name D-Y-L-A-N. Sometimes there's people who just have never seen Bob Dylan's name in print for some reason. But that's how it's spelled. Dylan at LaughSpin.com if you you so desire. So check all those things out. Check out AllThingsComedy.com, which is our lovely podcast network started by Al Madrigal and Bill Burr. There are uh, seemingly countless podcasts that are well worth your time there. So check out AllThingsComedy.com. And um, that's about it, guys. Thanks a lot. I know I keep saying thanks, but I really do appreciate it. Uh, If you like what you hear, by all means, go to iTunes and uh, leave a review. If not, that's okay, too. I love you anyway. We'll see you likely next week on the Laugh Spin Podcast. Thanks, guys. See ya. (laughs) 